When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. Welcome to Lost in America, episode 123. My name is Turner Sparks. My name is Mordechai Yitzchak Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Mordechai Yipsop Kaplan <laughs> at Captain America on Twitter. Yeah, I was inspired by our, our, our episode last week to be a little more Jewish. And you can sure. find me on Twitter at Captain America. And, uh, you Instagram? Find, oh, Instagram, Captain America. You can find us at Lost in America. Yes. And you can find us. Uh, you can find me at the, Turner Sparks. Yeah, On the podcast today, we have comedian Andy Curtin. He's also the founder, along with me, of the Kung Fu Comedy Club. Co-founder, we call it. Co-founder of the Kung Fu Comedy Club in Shanghai, China, and all over China, the whole country of China. And now, most recently, uh, starting about a year ago, he's the head of comedy for Live Nation in Asia. And you're the head of comedy for Live Nation America? Um, I should be. I should be. (laughs) Hello, Live Nation. No, I'm the head of uh, comedy for Turner Sparks. All right. Incorporated. That's a, you know. Andy Curtin. No, but Andy's now, uh, so he's producing all these uh, these big shows. Like he, uh, the tours, Live Nation comedy tours around Asia. So he's doing, he just did the Kevin Hart tour. He did Jim Gaffigan tour. He just did a show with Dave Chappelle, I think last night. Does he get that? Does that count as the pod bump since he was on this podcast very early on? And sure, most, it does. The most controversial episode of our of our time. Sure. Oh yeah, the one that you weren't on. <laughs> yes, the audience hated that one. Hopefully, they like this one a little bit better with him. Yeah. But what we're gonna talk to him about is uh, so we I think we've alluded to it on the pod so far a few times, but it but we haven't really gone into depth. So in November, October, something like that of last year, our comedy club in Shanghai got shut down by the Chinese government. Mm. Andy's the one on the front lines of it. Yeah, He's you the were, one you, in the middle you, you of you it. Split already. I was sitting here in, in uh, sunny New York City, yeah. and Andy was out there, so he's going to give us a blow-by-blow rundown of exactly like when, what happened. When there's a mob pit, and you have off in jail or something, so you got, you got, you got to survive. I survived. He's dead. Yes, <laughs> in this analogy. April 10th, Kaplan, Speaking we have dying. live podcasts. Oh, boy. Stand up New York. You're going to be on stage. <sighs> I am. I'm going to be on stage. Our first guest is announced. We have Jared Freed. Wow, good get. The J Train. The J Train is back. Yes, from the You Up podcast, from the J Train podcast. He's been on this podcast before, of course. From the Lost in America podcast. That's what I think he announces himself as. He's a great comedian. He's hilarious, first of all. So he's going to be doing a 10-minute stand-up. He's going to be doing a stand-up, a set, and then he's going to sit down with us on the stage and do an interview. But guess what? If you want to hear a set, you got to come to the show because the set doesn't go on to the the podcast. The set's only for the live audience. I had a dream about the live pod last night. How did it go? I had a dream that there were some technical problems. So you had to like, you had to go fix them. And I had, I was just on stage by myself and I was like, oh man, I should have thought of something to say just in case this doing material. <laughs> I started just rambling. You should start but, writing uh, material. I should just in case. So just in case, so, okay, you know, you never know when you come in, in, see in pinch. Just, in case, just in case that happens. So we got Jared Freed. We got more, uh, we got more announcements coming up. 
All we're right. also trying to get maybe some sponsors involved. So we'll see. It's We've gonna got, be a blast. We're not trying. A lot of sponsors are coming to us. A lot. We are we're sifting through the offers right now. We are sifting through we're offers. To see which one's best for us, for our brand. Not about the money. I got a pile of papers about on the my brands. Desk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We don't care. Yeah. We won't support something that we don't believe in. That we don't believe yeah, in. Is what be you're supposed to say. We love. Yes. You know. Like Amazon. Like Amazon. <laughs> I do love Amazon. If you want to support Speaking the podcast, of- go to Amazon. <laughs> it's just, just a whole ass. Seamless. <laughs> if you want to support the podcast, go to lostinamericapod.com. Click through the Amazon. Click through the book. Daisy Jones and the Six. Daisy Jones and the Six. I actually read the, the book review of it after Weber's recommendation. Um, I might go get the book. It sounds good. Does it sound good? Yeah. So get that book on Amazon. Read it now because pretty soon it's going to be a movie, a, a, a blockbuster uh, written by, uh, adapted by Michael H. Weber. Yeah. And if you, you maybe, if you buy enough stuff from Amazon, maybe we can get him to sign that for you. True. <laughs> maybe you can go glamping with him sometimes. <laughs> yes. At the biggest, oh, whoever gives us the most money gets to go glamping with Weber. That's a guarantee. Yeah. Randy was saying this glamping now in Governor's Island. So maybe we'll make that our thing. We'll have, we'll have Weber take you glamping in Governor's Island. Right here in New York. If you live in New if York. If you live in New York. We're otherwise, not flying people. Otherwise, in. we'll fly into Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two options. <laughs> two options. So go to lostinamericapod.com. If you're going to shop on Amazon, click in the upper right hand corner of that book. That'll take you back to Amazon. Do your regular shopping. We get a percentage. We don't ask you to just, a lot of these pods ask for money. They want donations. Mm. We're not stooping to that level. We're saying you're not buying yet. stuff anyway. Cut out Amazon. Yeah. Even though we love them. Cut out. Well, cut out. Don't cut out Amazon, but they don't need to make as much money. No. We Jeff need Bezos, to make your money. He's doing well. He, you know, so anyway. he's doing fine. And don't so, use the Alexa to buy things because that we don't get money. Oh. And also, it spies on you. Then it does buy it on, on the you. computer. Start, quit doxing yourself. <laughs> so last at Live Pod, April tenth, eight p.m. You can get the tickets to that. They're going fast. Get them now at StandUpNY.com. That's Standup New York Comedy Club, Upper West Side of Manhattan, and. Tickets are $10 today mm-hmm. for the early bird, but they're going to go up to 20 bucks pretty soon. So get them. I think that's like a week from now. They go to 20. So get them now if you're coming so you can get them for 10 bucks. Oh, you old Jews out there. And you want you, early bird special. Well, even better if you lose the pro, use the promo code LOST, L-O-S-T. I think they're five bucks. Really? I think so. I thought that was to get to $10. I don't know. Either way, put in the promo code LOST. See what happens. It'll get some kind of a discount. <laughs> exactly. It'll help you out. So that's it. Cap, should we get to Lost in America? <laughs> we should probably figure that out. Play, the, yeah, music. play the music. Cap, we're back. Love the music. De'Aaron Roots. So rocking. Every even the, even week. Though the, even though the De'Aaron Fox is fading out of the playoffs. De'Aaron even Roots during tax season. He's even an during, accountant. I, I can't believe you have a cow named De'Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Come on. <laughs> Just the real name. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. I've never heard of anybody named De'Aaron. I only know one person. De'Aaron I know two Fox? people. Two people. So anyway, go on. I'm lost in America this week, Kaplan. Uh-huh. I was talking with somebody and uh, it was at a, com- I don't know, a comedy club or where I was. And this guy was like, oh, I was like, oh, you want to hang out this weekend? Oh, I get-. he's like, oh, I got to ask my partner. And uh, what's your my first thought is, oh, he's gay. Right. That's cool. 
He's gay. It's cool. I'm, I'm hip. Uh, I'm hip. It's 2019. It's 2019. You can be gay. Yeah, just come out with it. And then I was like, oh, cool. cool. I uh, need a gay friend. I need to add that to the rotation. And then the, a person walked up, like a girl walked up like five minutes later. And he was like, hey, what are we doing this weekend? And I was like, "Who's maybe maybe that's his business partner. Right, or maybe he's having an affair with a woman. Maybe he's confused. having an affair, yeah. And he's got <laughs> his partners. Yeah, he's, he's, they flip. Maybe the woman's trying to flip him. Right, right. Change Turns to- out he's not gay, but he just calls his wife his partner. Yeah, that's Is a Is that new? He's American? He was American. Yeah, he was so, like a New York American. Because I used to notice that, like, I think it's a British thing. Like in England, like they'll say partner. They say partner for going back like 20 years when I lived, when I was studying abroad. Really? They would say that about like a significant other who was in, but we, yeah, it was in America. It's always, you're gay. We say partner. And now, so you I say wonder. say partner, it's gay or like when, yeah, go Or ahead. a business partner. Yeah. Which is kind of confusing because usually people who have business partners, I don't know, they seem homophobic to me in general. So true. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Just having a business partner? Yes. It's your okay, t- okay, slow down, Ocasio Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> the resistance. But but uh I'm, you know, of the opinion that people that people have they're trying to it's part of like trying to see more European, British, whatever you want to say, less American. Or more woke. Or more woke, I guess. Yeah, because you're you not- want to con- you want people to maybe think you might be gay. Because right. that's like woke. It's also woke because you're saying like, if especially if you're a man saying it, you're like, we're partners, we're equals. Oh, you know, I didn't think of that. You know, it's not the little lady. I don't have to ask the or little lady. Or maybe you're. I thought maybe he was also a cowboy. He was like, howdy, partner. Howdy, partner. Like one of those. Yeah, I would. Ne- I could never say that. It just wouldn't sound natural. It would sound odd. I used to say it about Andy. When Andy mm. and I were working together, and yeah, somebody, and people, I'd be like, oh, I have to ask my That's partner. how rumors get spread. No, but then I would go way out of my way. <laughs> right. to, oh, it's my business partner. Business yeah. par- I got to ask my partner. Business partner. Business That's partner. what you should say. I have to ask my business partner. Because I would assume they would think I was gay, which again, yeah, when I'm like, you know, my that. partner Turner, or the one talking about the podcast, and then he would say, yeah. my podcast partner. Yes. It's very sp- Pod so, partner. So if it becomes a term for uh, straight people, then it becomes less ambiguous that way. So maybe that's what they're trying to achieve. If what? If saying partner, then it, it, maybe that's it. The goal is to make it so you don't think everyone's gay. Yes. Then you don't have to preface any a business partner. Oh, we're in a post partner world. Then you got to be like, oh, my romantic partner, because yeah, my romantic. A, you need to, you need to have a new a new term for business partner. I got I got. I think news business partner is being boxed out. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's on the way out. I don't know. People, I got news to you. Most of these romantic partners, there ain't a lot of romance left in most of these. Uh, once you've reached the partner stage, I think because it's, it's a big travel thing. So when I go on like TripAdvisor or those websites that have reviews of hotels, yeah. When people say partner, I used to always be like, "Oh, I want to stay here because I think these people aren't American." Like I like to stay where there's not Americans. Oh, so I get. But now you're right. I'm gonna be tricked into like some. Here's some, my question. <laughs> what should Henny Youngman say? She said, "Take my partner, please." <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, one more thing about partners I want to say. Yeah. I think it's 2019. I don't like seeing white people <laughs> oh boy. married to white people. Oh, all right. Step it up. You're saying it's racist just to be married to someone who's the same. It's not racist. It's like, it's just a little 80s. <laughs> it's a little 80s. You know? Or it's, 70s or 60s or 50s It's or like 40s watching or Teen Wolf. And remember when they don't get the basketball scene really correct? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you can't. This guy's five foot five. He's not going to just go dunk. Like, well, make yeah. it a little more realistic. Like, update with the times is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, they never really explained werewolves vertical. In Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, this show I do on Friday nights in Park Slope, there ain't a, there ain't a, a same race couple in the whole place ever. And if they are, it's because they're gay. They're partners. <laughs> right. If you're if you're gay, if you're gay, that's a loophole. Right. Now, eventually down the road, 
when the, ga- when the gays have true, true equality, then they will have to move on. Yes. To like, oh, I can't be gay with a white person. Yeah, but I'm now white. they get a pass. But is, <laughs> is they get a pass? So you're saying, so what is the, per- like, is someone, like, where do we need to go? Like, people should look for Asians? What should we be looking for? Should look for- <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> anything I get outside it, your. I get it in countries where single race countries like China, like Germany hmm. or like wherever else. They <laughs> <That's> are. Only, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Germany. That's not the best example for this. Well, that's only one race. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. If you're, if you're, I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that uh, they what have multiple races in Germany. I Do believe. they? Uh, yeah. I've never been <laughs> just judging from history books. <laughs> oh God. Just this segment's really di- so well. All right. Cause like but that- I'm saying in New York city in the, it's maybe, maybe I'll condense it to New York city or if you're in a metropolitan environment where there's people from all over the world who live there. I'm not saying you have to go out of your way, but at some point it's like, do you want to be banging yourself? Right. Like you want to have some, like, you know, those, those couples that look exactly the same. Yeah. Isn't that odd? Yeah. That's not what you should be going for. You want to go like, someone who looks, looks the least like you. Do you, do you want to go? <laughs> right. Yeah. People want to marry someone who looks exactly like themselves. I'm just saying it's a little so nuts. It's a race. Well, because it's complicated for me to speak on this. Cause like Jews, we usually like, we get mad because like so many Jews aren't marrying. So we're like, oh, cause you're trying to keep it. We're uh, trying to keep the Jews. So like I have, I used to have arguments where like people are like, that's racist. I'm like, well, it's not really racist. Cause we're like, there's like a goal in mind of like trying to like preserve the people. Oh, I don't like, cause it's just shrinking people. Cause we assume like, and I think correctly that usually when a Jew goes, has a baby with a, a child with a non-Jew, the kids doesn't grow up Jewish in most cases, like, eh, like 75% at least. Yeah. So it's like, we're, you know, so we're like, so we're, we're doing so we're trying to accomplish something. We feel really good at, we had a baby. Oh, I had a Jewish baby. I, I could go on my way. I didn't think about that part. So, but yeah, for yeah, the white the world's people, not running out of uh, Presbyterians. We're not running out of Presbyterians. So yeah. as long as we're a minority, we're allowed to do it. I or think, Chinese. People. I think minorities are allowed to do this in general, like to be kind of closed minded. They're allowed to do that. Are you still a minority? I'm saying Jews are still minority. Who you ask. Yeah, exactly. AOC would say no. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think uh, white people out there should probably, you know, you're you're really don't stick. You got to get to think outside the box. Okay, let's say this: whites do and Chinese. It, do it, Turner. You can teach a course on this. We're not running out of whites. We're not running out of Chinese. No, right? So mix them together. Mix them up. <laughs> mix them up, and they should, people should go to China or go somewhere different. Yes, travel. Travel. <laughs> Try to find. I don't know. I don't know where we're All going. right, we've really lost track. Yeah, Ints is an app. It is an app. I think we solved that, by the way. Ints is so. an app, and we lose track when we solve things. Ints is an app. Yeah, we're not used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Ints is an app. You can get in the app store. It's up to five minute audio recordings, audio messages. You're a, you have a new Ints handle, correct? I do. I'm Turner in America because I got locked out. Yeah. The, the Ints team over there tried to get me back in and couldn't figure it out. So I locked all the way out. So my only Everyone, solution was to to delete it, re-download it. So now find me. You're Cap in America. I'm Cap in America. We also have a Lost in America handle. Lost. So I just went Turner in America. I want you to, everyone to get on Ents, and I want you to follow all of us. We'll follow you back, and I want you to Ents at us. We don't have like a. We don't want people emailing us questions. We want people answering us questions. Exactly. Answering us, their thoughts. Answering us questions. And now I'm. A, you can put your job title on there. Yeah. So I'm an aspiring influencer. That's and great. And so I'm going to give you daily life tips. <laughs> to make your life can you be an influencer well i'm aspiring to an be. aspire influencer, i right? want to influence people if you want to be influenced i've always wondered like how to become an influencer 
Like, what does that even entail? I'm not sure, but I just watched that documentary <laughs> about how crazy they all are, and I thought that sounds fun. That sounds like a good, yeah. And on ends, they're probably on. You know, you're, you're we're on the ground floor here, so whatever job title you want to be, you can you can set the tone. You could be Ents' expert in that. Yes, right now, get in now. Ents is not only an app; Ents is your app. You can't be an influencer because that's Turner's corner now. That's me. Influ- Don't I'll we're, take you. Maybe down. We, there probably needs to be a female influencer. But, you know, you guys can be partners. I'll get a partner. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, ENSC.NYC to download it. It's also on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, on iTunes. I App Store. App Store. Yes. Get it there. Cap, we got Andy Curtin. He's calling in from Shanghai. It's pretty late in Shanghai right now. We've been keeping him waiting. Well, it's 10.30 p.m. And I know he's been on tour all around Asia all week. We'll find out where who he's been with. All right. Let's press, uh, get get the phone on. All right. Turn let's get it going. Curtin, Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. You're calling in from Shanghai, China, everybody. Uh, more specifically, <laughs> from my laundry box. <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean? Yeah, what's, what's, a, a, laundry what's a laundry box? box? <laughs> I want to know. I'm so glad you asked. I, I didn't think you were going to ask. I'm really glad that you <laughs> asked about that. Um, no, because I started to say laundry and I realized that sounds like I'm a wealthy person with like multiple rooms in my house. And actually it's like a container. Uh, the, laundry in America just in. means clothes. Yeah. Is it like a hamper? We're, <laughs> like we're in, we say laundry is, I mean like, like in the East wing of the house where the maids prepare our clothing for wearing. Oh, wow. That's it's gotta be the East wing. I don't know. You know what? It's fucking late here and I haven't had a lot of sleep because this, this is, I, I'm in the laundry. You're in the laundry. Well, let's get to the point. You just got, well, I, you just got off tour. You're the, you're the head of comedy for live nation in Asia. If people don't know. So and they I, should know this, but and they should it's know. common knowledge on the street. It is. And you just got off tour with Dave Chappelle. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually sort of in the middle of a tour with, with, Jim Gaffigan at the moment, but Chappelle, we didn't do, he was in Tokyo with his family and we managed to finagle getting him to do a show while he was there. So so Uh, I went there for that, but I've come back to China because I've like, because Gaffigan is kind of taking five days off at a time in between because he's traveling around Asia with his family. So rather than sitting around with his five kids, I'm going home. How long is this tour? I feel like I've seen pictures of you and Jim Gaffigan for like the past three months. Dude, he's, he's still going until April 2nd is his last show. It's he'll be away for like three and a half weeks, I think. Oh, wow. All right. But before you did all that, I want to start with, well, you, you, we started the comedy club together, Kung Fu Comedy Club. And then just recently, this is why we wanted to have you on. It got shut down uh, October, November, something like that. Of last year? Yeah, October. October. And what happened? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's not as dramatic as it sounds in the way that it plays out because really at the end of the day, we're just like an ant that they just decide they can squash at any minute. So we're having an open mic on a Wednesday and a bunch of guys come in and start taking everyone's details and they're like, yeah, you're not allowed to do this anymore. And uh, an open mic. I got caught. The poor open mic guys yeah. just wanted to not, get to work on some. You're not allowed to have an open mic. 
Sorry, that uh, like, jerk off joke's gonna did, have to go to some he, other country. Did he open my comics? Get like, I mean, taken away in a van and never heard from again, or how does that? I mean, I wish they had been, but no, they're still working around the city. Yeah. To be fair, um, if, you're, if, they're, if you're arresting a bunch of open mic comics, the odds are they're probably criminals. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wanted to turn around to them and say, hey, guys, you could turn this all into great material if you weren't such terrible comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got to work up the nerve. You know, maybe you always dreamed of being a comedian. You got some banker job and you're like, today's the day I'm going to go do an open mic. And then you get raided by the Chinese government. <laughs> like, just my I love it. Like, cause like when, when people are trying to convince themselves to do open mic and people that do it for the first time, I mean, it's very dramatic and people are like, come on, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, well, I could go to jail in China. That's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, there's, so. there's no worse feeling than bombing on stage. Uh, yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Years. Yeah. The like cool you should go. Go pick up a safe, a safer hobby like skydiving or free soloing or something <laughs> like that. So okay, so then it's it. I didn't realize it was an open mic that they blew up, and yeah, and it was just the dumbest thing ever. And I'm just looking at him, and it was just like just so pathetic. And I kind of lost it a little bit because you know they call you in. I, I, you've been through this before. They come yeah. in and they get all your details, and they say you want you to come into the office so we can scare you. And yeah, I mean, the thing is that like, it's scary when you think you have something that can be taken away from you, but, but the moment where you realize everything's gone, you sort of stop pretending that you give a shit what these people think. And, yeah. you know, I got sent in with the Chinese guy, he's a Shanghainese guy. So he's going to speak Shanghainese to them and I'm supposed to sit there and act like I don't understand anything. Um, and I just kind of, looked at them and I said, do you guys realize the irony that you're the cultural bureau and you are supposed to be developing it and you're doing the absolute opposite thing. That's uh, when you say the office, that's you go to the, the cultural bureau office and uh, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And, and have they, have they policed you guys before or warned you guys about anything or was that, this is like all. Yeah. I mean, we, they've always sort of been around and they sort of come in, you don't realize like you'll see an old guy sort of, taking photos and stuff and you never know when it is that they've come through generally but we had problems with them in other cities so shanghai had been quite open and, and and easy to deal with for the for the entire time that we were doing it but but you know we'd had trouble as in suzhou and hangzhou we'd had shows shut down and and people you know turner had a show in a basement where they were taking notes of all the jokes well, yeah, that was to, in uh, 2012. Cap, the they thing wanted to encrypt like, some of your material. Yeah, the, the thing that they don't kind of all these like news stories or whatever it is when they when they want to write about comedy in China, they're always be like, "What does the government think?" That's always like the big question, and it's never. That's not even the right question because the government is not one thing. It's like in every city they might have their own rules. Yeah, and so we were totally shut down for six months in 2013 in Suzhou. Is it because of something someone said or it was against like, no, no, no. Or they didn't know. Uh, we'll get to that, but they, they would shut us down in 2013 in Suzhou for six months, but yet you could go 30 miles down the road to Shanghai or like, or 50 miles to Shanghai or 30 miles the other way to Wuxi. And it's totally fine. So it was really city by city. And to answer your question, if it was something that they said, it's never, I mean, in, in art, it's never based off of something you said, because Andy and I were always making sure really that. careful from like day one of self 
self-police, self-censoring, I guess is the word, where we would tell people, listen, if you want to say something like anti-government, if you do it here, it could get our whole scene shut down for no reason, just because you wanted to be like the hero, you know? So just write jokes about anything else, write jokes about your life, write jokes about uh, jerking off on the subway or something, Without anything. Oh. They, actually, that actually would be fine material, right? Um I mean, who doesn't like it? I mean, I think it would be terrible material, but. (laughs) But they wouldn't care. (laughs) But it probably. Yeah, they don't care about that. Jacking off on the subway is like a national pastime here, I believe. Well, we both saw Louis C.K. in in China. And when was that, 2013? So. Wait, do you have somebody yeah. here? Are you, gonna, are you me too? <laughs> Somebody's been jerking off in China. I'm just saying. You know, the irony being that the the joke that he got into trouble for was the first time I'd heard of sex being a difficult topic that they were that they were going to respond to. Explain that because he had a joke. So he had a joke. It was like, um, I've been here for a few days, and I realized I just want to have sex with every Chinese woman especially like the old ones that look like they need it. This is and, uh, which, which is a joke that has aged well based on things that happened <laughs> yes. after that. Uh, old women are Chinese but, uh, probably like to be jerked off. You know, of- Kaplan and comedy, they tell you to speak your truth. Yes, he was <laughs> true to himself always. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Like, I mean, you, I, you know what? Like it's, we can sit here and analyze it, but I think ultimately there is no reason. You know, you're dealing with people that aren't really thinking rationally about what they're worried about, and they are worried about losing their job, you know, and they're convinced like that, that's that a, the comedy show with 20 foreigners sitting, it could be the next spark that becomes, you know, well, I'll tell the, you the, 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 the down throw. Yeah. And- yeah, exactly. I mean, do you know what, you know what I even, even as I say this, I'm like, cutting myself off from saying exactly what we're all thinking. Right. You know? right. I mean, like, I'll that's say what it's it. like. Here. Here's what I learned from coming back. Andy is, uh, it's, it's sort of like the first year or so. This is how much I, I realized later on after living in New York for a couple of years that China kind of had this like control over me. The first year I was back in New York, I was scared to say certain things about China like I went on like race horse podcast with Sherrod Small and Kurt Metzger and I wouldn't, I cut myself off. I asked them to, to edit certain things that had been said because I was worried about myself and I wasn't even living there anymore. Um, yeah. And then it's only now that I'm like, wow, that's like nuts. But it's this thing when you live there for as long as you have, and which is I, 10 or 12 years. And as long as I did, it becomes a part of you. And I'll tell you, cause I know you're, I, I don't know what your, your future plans are with where you want to live, but at some point in the future, if you move somewhere else, it, it even takes time after that to kind of get it all out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also still going to be in Asia where you're still, you know, yeah, you're within reach. <laughs> yeah. And you're also, but it's, I mean, we, for so long, it felt like you and I did it a self-censored and all that to protect our comedy scene. And now there's not even a comedy scene to protect anymore. There's nothing left. Yeah, I mean, it's not that there's nothing left. It's it's, but I but I think there will not there will be nothing left in the future. Um, the direction is that stuff is really just even like even like the big shows like Live Nation can't get licensing in the second half of this year for any show, any show. They can't have any shows. Any oh for yeah half a year. Like even like in, Dave, like Dave Chappelle or someone couldn't just 
do a show? I mean, Dave Chappelle's a non-starter, but like think of someone like Bruno Mars or someone like that who's been here and is not inoffensive. Um, Just never going to happen. Andy, can you... Uh, and if you can't talk about this, that's fine. But can you explain the process? Because obviously we started out running the comedy club and then about a year and a half ago, whenever that was, uh, a little over a year ago, Live Nation hired you to uh, run the big tours around Asia. So you've done like the um, the Kevin Hart tour and you just did the Dave Chappelle show and like the Gad LMA. Is that his name? I always mix them up with Spider-Woman or whatever her name is. Gal Gadot? Yeah, yeah. I always mix them up. One's Israeli, one's French, I believe. But anyway... Can you explain the They're process similar. of getting permits in China for these big shows like that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not complicated and it's pretty public information. You, you have to submit a uh, <clears throat> video and, and, and a translated script. And then they do like, you know, background checks and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the main thing is getting the script together. And then they will go through the script and be like, you can't talk about this. Like we, we, we tried to get Jimmy Carr here and they crossed out all these punchlines. <laughs> like it was almost like a joke. Just like set up, set up, set up, set up. <laughs> Everything. And they're like, you can do it like this. I'm like, I, yeah, you guys really don't understand what we're trying to do here. <laughs> oh, but they said you could still have the show. Yeah. So the show has no punchlines. Yeah. And yeah. that's amazing. Are we going to, we're never going to do a live podcast there. Yeah. Submit a script and Oh, I think that's over. Yeah. I don't oh, think my dreams. I think the live podcast idea is done for China. Oh. Well, you know, I well, to be honest with you, actually though, like a lot something like live podcasting isn't unless you're releasing it on a Chinese platform, it's not going to be policed at all. Ooh. Yeah. Loophole. Well, yeah, but we could do it at like uh like one of our like at Andy's apartment or something. Live from Andy's basement. I mean, if you want to if you I'm sorry. <laughs> You know what? You're actually, I'm, I'm wrong. In fact, in the environment now, if you do any event, even without tickets, you're at risk right now. Really? That's the current. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, going backwards to the Sujo thing, when they first, when the first win yeah. we ever got, so we started like 2010, 11, Andy and I did. And the first ever like pushback we got happened 2012, 13, but only in Sujo. And they banned us for six months. And then when they let us come back, they said the compromise was you can come back and you can bring out comedians like Jimmy Schubert, right. and which in hindsight is amazing <laughs> that Jimmy Schubert was allowed to go. What were his jokes about old trans women? <laughs> he had only the, uh, what was it? What was the tornado rotating blowjob from, <laughs> yeah. from the uh, Shanghai Center? And they said you can have these people out, but you can't charge money. Oh. That was their compromise. They were like, oh, because they didn't want to be seen as uncool. Seen as uncool. So they're like, we're not policing your content. It's just that you guys aren't. Um, you're charging tickets for something that's not a, like a charge le- for drinks and stuff? a legal business. Well, we don't own the bar. The bar oh, would sell the drinks. So how, yeah. So. Uh, that was kind of their compromise at that time. And that's kind of how that's kind of how it lived on in Suzhou kind of for, for the next four years or so. But Andy, you're saying now yeah. and now in China, that's, that's not even the case anymore. I mean, it's hard to say what is the case, you know, yeah. like the game just keeps the rate at which everything changes is so high. It's like, I couldn't tell you what the status quo is with any level of certainty at all, but I could give you a bunch of examples where you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's the thing that happens now. Like what? What would be an example? Like recently there were people that had permits for a show, but they were people living here and they got permits for a show, but the visa that they'd entered the country and was not for the permit of that show. 
Mm. And they all got taken down. So that might be like a some guy who's just there. He works at like a factory or he's like an executive at Bosch or Siemens or one of those and decides like, oh, my band's going to play. Let's get a permit because I have like a, a bar band, expat band. And then they get a permit for the show. But because he's there on a business. Which is not a simple thing. I mean, they've gone yeah. and got the permit. Like that's a big thing to get the permit is not a small thing at it's all. It's from the cultural, the same cultural. The culture m- police, as I always they, call them. They but give you a permit. They give you a permit to allow what kind of culture right to say what kind of so you just start so not only that but they've started rocking up with entry exit officials with them when they come to kick you out of the country yeah whoa that's bit a bit a bit of a (laughs) takes it up a notch and that's um do they take the when they take the guitar away? Do they like smash it over their knee, like the way, <laughs> breaking this up? That's how I picture it. They, yeah, and I, 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 I'm just I haven't been there myself, but I'm sure that's exactly what happens. <laughs> and so, uh, next question would be, what about because um, if you're just looking at our club, it seems like comedy's over with in China, or English language comedy is done for sure in China. And it seems like that's what you've gotten from about, because you said that Live Nation can now, can't put on any big events in English in China. But what about all these other clubs like uh, the one Storm Runs? Yeah, and- the New York Times said it's on, it's on the rise. <laughs> According to the New York Times. The New York Times always is, knows what's but, going on. But for real, like, yeah. what about, I think it's an honest question. If you, if you can't answer, that's fine. But um, it seems like it's club by club because there's other clubs that are allowed to, allowed to exist in Shanghai down the street. And then our club's not allowed to exist. Yeah. I mean, I can only speculate. Um, we were reported, but who knows what that even means? You know, honestly, like you'll never find out. Um, but also the location you are in the city can mean you're affected by different sub branches. You know, you're being policed by a different group of people. Um, we were definitely the most prominent, you know, like we were bringing in the most people. We had the, we were a much bigger operation. So it makes sense. Of course. You were the Mr. Softy of a. Uh, Not bragging. We were doing the best. <laughs> but is that, what, is that what the problem is? It's like with the ice cream, you were too successful. Is that because you say like, like you, I don't you think I'm care. ready to say that we were too successful. <laughs> I think that is, that is a bit of a stretch from the point that I'm making, which Andy is that we were slightly much- larger. He doesn't want people to know how much he was lying in his pockets with oh. cash. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh mate, the the irony being that everyone comes in an open mic with fifty people in it and goes, man, these guys must have Ferraris. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A free open mic that they didn't pay to get into. I mean, you got that lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they smuggled in their their fucking box of wine. <laughs> and so, okay, so it could be, it could just be, yeah, even district by district, not only city by city. Um, but do you know when they bring you in, like, this is it, it's over, or do you think maybe you're getting like a slap on the wrist, another chance or. I mean, we'd survived so much, you know, I think Turner had, had in many ways taught me and we'd gotten to this mindset where you just never dead. There's always a way and you always figure it out. Like you can survive in advance after your heart attack. Exactly. Always a way. (laughs) Yeah. We just, we I just came back like crippled and far less effective. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, anyway, so, you know, you're always thinking laterally, like who is it that can get us out of this problem? 
And, uh, you know, I did try a lot of different things and, and ultimately I did have options to open again, but in my opinion, it was all just, it was putting a, uh, you know, a bandaid on a sinking ship. I agree, by the way, I think that reopening that club and just going out of like getting shut down again, three months later, it's depressing. Dude, it's so expensive. It's, expensive. it's so expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. That's the main thing. So like the biggest lesson I learned from Mr. Softy, which I think we talked about maybe a year ago is that, yeah. or when all this was going on is that I, cl- I wish I would have closed a year earlier. Cause that last year yeah. when you're just fighting the government and they've already squeezed you down to nothing, you're losing so much money. Can you month. be like the Lenny Bruce of China or something? Or like make, no, make, make what, money off being a rebel. No, that's no, that that's what everyone in America. <laughs> hey, hey, says. Hey, hey, Lenny Bruce died of a drug overdose, having not made money. Uh, Let's be true. very clear about like, that. Did to heroin. <laughs> well, I, he does heroin then. What are you complaining about? It doesn't make his life better that he's now depicted in the marvelous Mrs. Well, he's Maisel. A hero to people, you know, he was, banned in 50 states he was banned in 50 states <laughs> well what about so do you but is there like a blue shirt of china like a lawyer who specializes in this in like like a first amendment lawyer of a that's a good question <laughs> so a, andy go ahead because i have an answer for that but andy i'm sure you let's you're the guest yeah. uh there, there is there is no rule of law yeah that's it <laughs> so did you meet with any it's, lawyers about this andy uh, I just, a lawyer is not a person you would ask to solve problems like this. They're not the people that help. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta go. I talked to, you gotta go. I mean, I'm not going to list them, but you know, some of the people that I would talk to and they're people that can fix problems. You show up with a briefcase of cash. You know, the only lawyer you want is Roy Cohn, that guy, the <laughs> Trump's 1970s lawyer. Is there a Mike? There's no Michael Cohen in China. <laughs> there's no Michael Cohen. <laughs> No, no. Uh, I, I was looking. I was looking for the Lionel Hutz of yeah, China. Lionel Hutz. <laughs> there are to answer your question, Cap. There are like Michael Cohen type people. There are fixers, fixers yeah, they're like, but they're not lawyers, as Andy is saying. Right, they don't even need a federal yeah. law degree like they do in America. They operate in the shadows. Right. Um, I did. We speak need to get one of them on the pod with Mr. Softy. I did. What's crazy about this story, Andy, is that we saw it coming because all that had happened to Mr. Softy two or three years earlier. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. it's I mean parallel. There was, you, you know, you were, you provided a lot of guidance and how to deal with it. And in fact, you know, a lot of the challenges you dealt with, you know, as a lead to what we were dealing with, whether it's like, you know, competition playing pretty dirty or all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was, you can see, see like having a crystal ball. You're like, yeah, you can see how fucking bad this can get. Yeah. And it could get, yeah, it got really bad in both instances. I want to go back to the question of how, um, how the how the local police even know what's going on. So on one hand, because I know in uh, my case with Mr. Softy, it was they didn't really care. The local government, we were operating legally, as was the club, and but then they didn't care about us until. Like their preference, the local government's preference is to do was to do nothing, to not really cause a problem, just to let us run our business like any other business. But then the minute someone else related to the government or connected with the government wanted our business, then they started acting. Um, what? But you yeah, said you I mean, they were reported by someone. So is that that implies that if you were never reported by somebody, it would have been fine? No, we'll see. The difference is this: is it like? Traditionally in China, you know, uh, several times a year they have some big event or conference or, you know, 
leaders are in, coming in or whatever. And in the lead up to these events, they'll, they'll crack down and, you know, stuff will get, stuff will happen, rules will change. And then the event passes and everything goes back to normal. And so last year in the, it was the, the president had this import expo and they shut down a lot of venues. They shut down nightclubs. They shut down a, ton, a bunch of uh, music venues that foreigners frequented. And, uh, but what's changed, I think in 2018 is they have a tightening of the vice and then the event passes and the vice doesn't loosen up at all. And it's just been getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. I haven't seen it back off and, I think like 12 months now and everybody's saying, oh, it's going to be easier next year. And I'm like pretty confident that's not what's going to happen. Why, why would it be easier? Like what are they even, what's the rationale? It seems like because of the, because of the history of, of, of the pendulum of tightening and loosening. The year, is it based on the year of the pig or no, is that a good year or no? <laughs> no, it's not doing anything. They're all bad. They're all bad years. No, I love that. <laughs> People are like, it doesn't matter what your year is. Chinese friends are always like, oh, that's a good one. I'm like, <laughs> list the bad ones. Tell me the bad ones. Just write them down. And Andy, what's going on with uh, the Chinese scene? Because that was something that I would say I sort of missed at the 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 popularity of the Chinese language comedy scene because um, kind of I was so focused on just getting all the English stuff going with you, and then really on writing my own act and, and getting out on the road and stuff. But in the meantime, you and uh, Drew, I know we're building your own acts in Chinese, but also you and and Storm, those first couple of years, were really working together to build this Chinese language scene that now seems to have exploded with these like giant roasts and all that kind of stuff. What's going on with all that now? How are they being regulated and everything? Yeah, I mean, they're having a bad year. Um, and their feeling is that it will get better next year, but that's an, that's a scene that's blown way beyond what any of the English is doing. And I mean, it's, that's a whole different scenario because what you've got over there was like, there was a company, a company that came in, that was producing TV shows and just put all the comics on exclusive 10 year contracts. So there's a company controlling the entire scene across the country. And they're making like, they bought, the rights to roast battle off comedy central and they bought SNL. They were making SNL. Uh, they bought it off NBC. So they're doing some real stuff. Um, and then that they're still making their shows and that's their big business, but their live stuff has re you know, they are so dialed into what is expected from the bureaus because they work with them on a weekly basis on their TV shows that they just sort of get the heads up. They're like, you need to back off for the next 12 months. And they're like, okay, we get it. And so they're less likely to get caught out, but they're not doing as much as they were doing last year. And what's, what company is that? What's the name? It's called Putru. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of them. Uh, I think from you. And so when you say, well, they used to produce shows at the comedy club. So we partnered with them. Yeah. So they, but started- they were doing, even now, they, I think they have in Shanghai. I mean, they've got shows all over the country. Shanghai, I think they have like 12 shows a week or some crazy number. And they started at our club? They didn't start in our club. A lot of the comics they have started in our club. In fact, they would find guys, like people would start in our club and then they would go and put them on these 10-year contracts. So a lot of their guys started with us, but 
um, their business did not stay. They, they were, I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was the original guy for Laughalos, right? That guy, Mark. Oh yeah. 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 There way before anyone. And then he kind of, he had his competitor pop up and then these guys came in and just bought out all the, all the comics that those two dudes were working with and just obliterated all the promoters in the scene. So as a comedian in America, you're in, or anywhere, most places around the world, I would see Australia is the same. You're an independent contractor. So you go out and you get your own gigs and all that kind of stuff. But in old school Hollywood, mm. as far as I know, they used to sign people to these crazy, terrible contracts, sign all the actors. And then they would put, they would own them for 10 years at a time or well, so. It's not a terrible contract for the person who owned them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, to be honest, to be honest with you, whilst it, I think any system can be bad and can be, and it really comes down to how people are using it. My feeling is that the people that are running it look after the comics and I don't see too many comics very unhappy with it. And they're able to do a lot more than they were able to do before. I mean, that scene is a function of that company being able to do that. You know? So maybe that's just the system it has to be for it to work. Yeah. Because there's no, I mean, like, like, like it doesn't make sense in a place like New York where people have an option to just go and be their own agent and make money, but they don't have that option. here. So to have a framework that gives you a salary and allows you to perform all the time, you know, I, I think it's easy to, to, to look at things that sound wrong, like exclusive contracts. And, and I don't know that it would be any better without them, especially in an environment where you need a big dog defending the shows so that you don't end up like us and just getting squashed because you have no leverage. Yeah. So the bigger part of that, that's what I was going to say, it seems like getting protection almost. Well, you know, I mean, if there's one thing I would say about China right now is that they are trying to make it China for Chinese people. Yep. So stuff that's being, yeah. China first. I mean, very Trumpy. I was going to (laughs) say, I mean, there are the parallels between China and America. I mean, it's astounding. They're very similar. Um, Okay. And then what about uh, Live Nation in Asia? That seems to be, I mean, you seem to be killing it to me. Like name the people you've had on in the past year that you've had this job that you've toured with. Well, so we really started the touring sort of kicked off in December um, because, you know, I started in January last year, but to, to, to book a big tour like that, you don't book it, you know, in a few months notice. Sometimes it's over a year. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, you know six months plus. Um, but in December we had Gad and Kevin Hart. And then in January we had Jim Jeffries. And then uh, now we've got Jim Gaffigan and Dave Chappelle. And then we've got a bunch of other interesting things coming up. So it's sort of, yeah, it took off really quickly. And what's your best market? Cause you do all of Asia. What's, what do you think's like for comedy, for, for comedy fans, I guess, for like audience, what's the best market in Asia right now? Singapore, Singapore. Singapore. Well, uh, well, so that question, you sort of changed it as you got into it. Yeah, sorry. The, the biggest market <laughs> is Singapore. Um, the best market, you know, I would think, you're starting to look at also like, what is the local scene? Like, you know, is it interesting for comedy fans to go out on average night of the week and go see comedy? Um, and I don't know. I think Hong Kong's pretty good in that regard. There's a lot of great comics there. There are great comics in Singapore as well. Um, but I think there's probably more local stuff going on in Hong Kong, even now when they sort of have wiped out all their promoters. 
Is there an issue of getting shut down? Is that an issue in, in Hong Kong or is that not? It, it, it isn't now, but it will be eventually. And what about other countries in Asia? Do they, I mean, they crack down, do we know? Or like, where's the best place to open I mean, a comedy club? What's the freest for uh, aspiring? Uh, probably, probably Alaska, I think, <laughs> at this point. Because everywhere else is going to be controlled by the Chinese. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think that Hong Kong is, is good. You know, I, I would look there just because I think they've got you know, how, who knows how long it's going to take to change. I, I, it's, I think when it happens, it'll happen quickly, but I don't think it'll happen in the next five years. Well, what, um, makes, what makes these scenes good for you? Is it for your, what your, these tours that you're putting on? Is it they speak English? Well, you know, we, we don't really look at it like that. What we look at, it's, it's more on a per act basis. You, you're trying to figure out how many tickets can this act sell in that market. And it's different. You know, it's really different. You, you've got to look at, uh, there's a lot of indicators that you sort of you observe to see some uh, acts are really well known in Bangkok and then not known in Tokyo. And then the other way around or in Manila, they know them, but they don't know them in, you know, Manila, uh, sorry, in Kuala Lumpur, they know him, but not in uh, Manila. So it's just, it's not as easy to predict as you'd think. And it's not like, it's not like linear between all the cities. Okay. And what size room, sorry, I'm really interested in this. What size rooms are these guys doing? So Kevin was the biggest. He did nine and a half thousand in KL and then six and a half thousand in wow. um, Singapore. Wow. And where now that, um, Shanghai's, I know Shanghai's not done, but, uh, for, for my money, if you don't have the Kung Fu comedy club, you're done. You're done. So you're done. done. Yeah. On this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, whatever, like anything I say is just going to sound, you know, um, arrogant, but in my experience, you need a more, you need a more competently run, enterprise for a scene to grow. Andy, let me say, I think, let me say it. There's a bunch of amateurs (laughs) right now running these half-assed comedy nights in Shanghai. And I, and I'm not saying the performers, a lot of these performers are our friends and they're just trying to, they used to be at our club and now they're going wherever they can because they just want to get up on stage. And I don't, I love that. I don't blame them at all. That's great. But the people running it, these guys are dirt bags, a lot of dirt bags and a lot of just like dropouts, like people who like are escaping wherever they, they're not professionals who are aspiring to move on somewhere. A lot of, there's a couple people in there who are stealing material. Uh, if you want to go see a great version of and Jim Gaffigan was there last month, that, this month, go there. You'll see a bunch of amateurs doing, but Jim they Gaffigan should, they, maybe they could steal yeah. not steal. a bunch. You'll see one or two. Is there someone who, I just think, you know what? I, th- I think, I think you need to be more optimistic about it. You know, I think it's great that you can go and still see Louis CK's material. <laughs> no, it's Louis CK's material without supporting the me too, Louis CK. So it's better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like seeing a cover band. You can see a Michael Jackson cover band now. It's not a problem. Yeah. 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 They, they, they've got, they've got teams of Filipinos out here. Just, uh, <laughs> just playing the hits. Just an R Kelly cover band. But is that the goal? So what yeah. is the, the culture minister or whatever, like, what are they, do they want the comedy scene to just go away? Or is that the, if we, think we don't know. I think that right. they don't, I think they don't, I think they don't care for it. Yeah. And I think that what really sh- seems to be the case is that people are operating in fear. It's not that they have 
plans. It's that they're worried about losing their job. That's it. Yeah, I think a lot of the way uh, I've seen it both in comedy, in the comedy scene, and with Mr. Softy, that all the way this stuff kind of works in uh, governments like the one in China is if there's no clear rule, right. then everyone's that everyone working in the government is just afraid if they don't do something, they might be breaking a rule that their boss wants them to enforce. Right, and it's so the uh, the instinct is just get rid of it and be safe. Am I right, Andy? Yeah. And I, you know what, like we we talked about this before that you realize, you know, people are very critical of America and, and, but there's just some things that America gets right. And you start to see what societies look like where people aren't rewarded for working hard or doing a good job or like creating well. And I'm not to, to say that that doesn't, that those incentives don't exist in some ways here, but, but there are many great examples of when they don't, and how just pathetic it gets. Yeah, and then there's when you come here, like I have no fear here when I do stand-up that my business I'm building for myself is going to go away, get taken away by the government at any point. Plus you have unlimited ketchup packets here. Yeah. This is, this is the land of opportunity. We talk, so you know you're going to be able to eat. They give you one ketchup packet at McDonald's in China. I don't oh, yeah. get it. I don't know how people live there. It's infuriating. Well, but yeah. Do you remember back in the day, dude, when so McDonald's used to be 24 hours here? And what? But what happened was all, all the migrant workers just took it as a place they could sleep all night. Yeah. And so constantly, you know, expats when they're when they're hung over, they would always go to McDonald's and it would always be this like just shit-faced expats <laughs> trying to order cheeseburgers while they're surrounded by unconscious, unconscious migrant workers. <laughs> Sounds like Port Authority. It is like Port Authority. Yeah, because these weren't homeless people. They're, just, they're yeah. just people who were too cheap to get a hotel. And hotels are like... Or they the don't to work the next day. They're, it, it's, they're, they're not homeless. They're just people who, whose homes are shitter than a bench in McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> that's the quote of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And these guys, yeah, they go in and be like, I want one cheese, bow, bow, please. Like this is their version of a staycation. <laughs> and I, they're like, sweetheart, let's, let's take it. Let's take a weekend off this month. How do you feel about the, uh, the Xinhua Lu McDonald's? They got a great, uh, Anniversary they just repa- they just repainted their Ronald out the front. He looks great. We take some photos before we pass out on the floor. Hey, hey they re-glossed the linoleum right. on the ground. <laughs> oh my Starbucks god! Well, I was it. like, it's so funny. Like, what what would Chinese people from you know Anhui uh, be looking at that clown, thinking, what the what the fuck is this? <laughs> Ronald McDonald clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The clan, like, like, think of Ronald McDonald. What that would look like to someone from, you know, rural Anhui. <laughs> Just a creepy, red hair, creepy clown cooking up loves burgers. Kids. Creepy clown loves kids. Loves kids. <laughs> That's a bad combo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I haven't, I haven't watched Finding McDonald's Land yet, so I haven't even <laughs> known that about it. Sequel. Ronald McDonald. Well, Andy, and you also, we haven't even mentioned your podcast yet. Oh yeah. 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 Check it out before it gets shut down as well. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. They crack down the podcast scene there. Or they storm in while you're recording. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, don't, I think they, they would be better off just contacting the eight people that listen to it and asking them not to download it anymore. Well, but, let's um, double that. Listen, we doubled when Gary Johnson was running for a Senator, oh we doubled his, uh, 
his uh, percentage points in his race in New Mexico. He still lost, but he went from seven percent to fifty. Yeah, if you know, if she wants to come on here before he runs for president, right? What did he? What do you get in China? We will accept we will, Xi Jinping. We will accept our great leader. We'll double him from ninety-eight percent to one one ninety-six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is that guy that 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 didn't vote for him? That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of those open mic comics. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so stuck in the middle. It's a podcast. You're doing it every week. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it. Uh, it's it's been great. I'm really really enjoying it at the moment. Uh, I I can't tell you like we just even now when we're trying to get everything lined up. I thought it is so nice to have zero set up on a podcast oh and, yeah you got uh, rid of guests right yeah no <laughs> guests genius Nothing. idea that's our that's our Get goal yes that's our dream season three dude i'm 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 working towards not even recording it that's what i'm trying to get to <laughs> just talk to yourself in the shower and be like there's my pod yeah. is that a conversation yeah exactly and then i can just tell people that i have a podcast that's yeah. the plan is that what it's like um, in, in new york everyone's got a podcast is that it's trying to becoming this way not no, really. it's really just me and Tanner. That was it. We're the entire 1.5 billion people and we're it. We were the no. two. Because they police them. You know, it's funny because uh, I, I kept getting my, I put it on the Chinese platform and it kept getting taken down. Oh, us too. And um, yeah, but you know what I found out? It was like, oh, they don't listen to them. But if you put anything that's like remotely connected to like a current story in the title, they'll take it down. So oh. I just started uploading it as like generic podcast one and then just talking whatever smack I wanted about <laughs> actually on the podcast. And it was fun. Nice. We got to change that way. We describe the episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> talking That's about it. 1968. Uh... All right, Andy. And how else can people find you? Um... Uh, yeah, just at Andy Curtin on everything, you know, Twitter, Facebook, want... uh, Instagram, it's all, all that jazz. And uh, in China. They, no, they, they don't. Oh, <laughs> yeah. People, people get on VPNs, but but Twitter is. I mean, my focus these days is mostly outside of China. I'm not really doing much here these days. Yeah, cool. All right. Oh, and you just opened for Jim Jeffries on that tour, right? Yeah, yeah. It was great. There was um, I was I wasn't I had I wasn't booked on it at all. We were like he just right before the show in Hong Kong. He's like, hey, you want to do a spot? And, uh, I couldn't say no. And was, yeah, he, he ended up getting me to do the rest of the shows for that tour. So it was really good. That's it's awesome. nice. How many people at that show? Thousand people. And you wow. found out like 30 minutes before the show started. Dude. I, and I, here's the thing that was like right after the club had been, or been, it was a little bit after the club had been shut down, but I'd had the longest period of time that I'd not performed. It was like six weeks and I'd never gone that long without performing. And as you know, like, you know, take a couple of weeks off, you start to lose the mojo a little bit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was just thinking, man, I'm about to eat it in front of a thousand people <laughs> and Jim Jeffries. And I, and you know, like right before I went on, he just goes, Hey, when was the last time you're on stage? And I, I just lied because yeah. I, cause I thought if he gives me a funny look, that's going to be in my head when I walk out there and I'm just going to eat it. Sure. And so I was just like, Oh, Tuesday. I was on Tuesday. I would and, um, Tuesday. Tuesday's always, no yeah. one checks Tuesday. No one checks Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. He's not looking up your calendar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it was a Wednesday, he might see who's on the open mic that week. Yeah. And, um, 
and wait, the roster. Any stories you could tell us from Dave Chappelle? Because that happened like yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, it was crazy. It's just like, I mean, he's like a genuine rock star. It's it's pretty in- intimidating. Um, you know, he just like he Japanese people are losing their mind. He's just smoking anywhere. In, <laughs> you know, in, um, do they he, know who uh, he is? <clears throat> Walking it's funny because uh, he not generally, but but he did get recognized a couple of times. But he's walking down the street like he carries a Bluetooth speaker with him everywhere, just blaring rap, like <laughs> like a deeply boombox? offending all these, <laughs> yeah, like just deeply offending Japanese people. So we walk into this like Japanese Japanese restaurant, and he's got the speaker blaring, and people are just food dropping out of their mouths, kind of thing. And then there's this one white guy in the corner. I'm like, that guy's having a crazy day. There's that guy sitting in Tokyo and Dave Chappelle walks in with a boom box. (laughs) Like, I think my acid just (laughs) refluxed again. What? Yeah. He had a great, he's opening joke. He goes, um, he goes, Hey, uh, it's great to be here in Tokyo. I don't know if an American said this before, but I am sorry about the bombs. (laughs) <laughs> um, it was, it was a little much. That was a little much. He goes, much. If it, he goes, if it's any consolation, black people were not involved in that decision. <laughs> um, so, and that just like from the gun, but it's funny listening to these guys come out, how they open, like, uh, Jim Jeffries in, in Seoul, his opening line was, he just walked out and goes, yeah, so you can't say dogs. And that oh, was just, my. it was and but it was so like it's 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 offensive but it was so quick that no one had a chance to be offended he just like he stabbed the room and lit it up yeah and uh i think there's a confidence to when you know everyone's there a thousand people are there to see you they like you and so yeah but i also think that if you do it in like he there's there's a real it's like shooting for a smaller target you know it's like if you get it right in the middle of the bullseye, you still hit it. And if you go quick enough and you sort of come out with enough confidence and it's maybe even the fact that it's even way over the line instead of being close to the line, you kind of can beat people getting offended in a way. Yeah, You can get the laugh out of them before they have a chance to go, ooh, or whatever stupid thing people do when they think they need to make a sound. Well, Chappelle's was, one of the only people who's allowed to say anything still in America, so he must have super – I mean, he's – Exactly. He's, he's he was like laugh. calling out the – his last special, didn't he say the Me Too movement was stupid or yeah, something yeah, like that? Yeah, and that was he was the only person on earth who wouldn't get blowback for that. Yeah, yeah, so he can translate that to Japan. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Chappelle – are you talking about Chappelle or are you talking about – Chappelle. Jim Jeffries. Chappelle. Jim yeah, Jeffries actually well, is getting blowback yeah. right now in America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chappelle's definitely, you know, I mean, he's doing some material where I think everyone was like, ooh, I'm not sure if I agree with that, even if you're not liberal, um, which is interesting to watch. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, he does seem to get a, get a pass for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. He likes him. He's just so loved. He's <laughs> just that, like, Everyone just loves the guy. Yeah. 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 He's pretty incredible to uh really. And so after the show, you guys went out because you were saying you you went out and had sushi with Chappelle at the boombox. At the boombox place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they went out to we went out to like some you know, kind of f- famous Japanese place that everyone always goes to, and then we went out to a little bar after that. And uh yeah, it was wild. 
Just <laughs> absolutely been honest. And he's wearing sunglasses inside. I saw the picture. Yeah. 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 Whole karaoke time. bar. Or? No. Amazing. Andy. <laughs> no. Well, Andy, thank you for doing the podcast, my man. All right. Cheers, yeah, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Cap, let's get to the news. Play the music. Thank you to Andy Curtin for doing the podcast. Get some sleep, young man. Get some sleep. You've got <laughs> you got a whole tour ahead of you. Do, All right, do your laundry. Do your yeah. <laughs> what do you call the laundry bucket? He never really a box. He never explained. Laundry it must box. just be an Australian thing that was unexplained. So. First news story of the week today. This comes from us from the day comes to us from the Daily Mail. Kaplan, yeah. Homeland Security warn, warns of worrying flaw that could let hackers easily take over cardio defibrillators. <laughs> what? After they've been in after they've been implanted in patients and rewrite the commands. Wait, oh, what does that mean? What's a cardio? All right, so, like, I have this life vest that I've talked about on the podcast. Oh yeah, this is a wearable defibrillator. So wait, wait, wait. The light vest shocks you back into life if yeah. your heart stops. If your heart fit, yeah. So in three months, or when I three months after I've gotten this, so in, in about six weeks, yep, I will be tested. And if hopefully my heart is strong enough, I don't need anything anymore. Yeah. But if it's still weak enough where I need, uh, it's not at this level, they're gonna implant a defibrillator into my chest. That's what this is. You're gonna have they, surgery. They have open up your chest and they stick this little thing in. Yeah, and that keeps it pumping. It's like it's just like the same thing. It's like it senses it, and if there's an issue, Jeez. so I'm now. I was looking. I don't want that to happen, but I was like mm -hmm. looking forward. That seems better than having this annoying vest on me constantly. That uh, you know, I so. But now you've told me that I now they be, can hack it. I could be ISIS. ISIS mm -hmm. can hack your chest, and then they can command you if go. Uh, suicide bomb. Like in Naked Gun when Leslie Nielsen was like hypnotized into like going <laughs> yeah. to kill the queen. That'll be me. Yeah. Uh, oh, the irony. Uh, Wait, but why would I, why would they want to hack? Because I mean like you're, as we've said before, you're by far the youngest person in the, uh, in the heart Wait, attack why, rehab clinic. Why would they want to kill Why them? would they want to turn all these elderly people into heat seeking missile robots? Well, like suicide bombs. I know, but yeah. wouldn't you want to get someone who's a little more active? That, they don't look for old people, though. Old people are like, uh, it's true. Old people don't put up TSA people. You know, first of all, you get past the, you do a separate thing, I think, where you don't. Um, you skate by. You skate by because you have the thing. You can't go through detectors. Oh, because you have a heart yeah. defibrillator. Yep, yep, yep. This is the perfect crime. The perfect crime. Why didn't we think of this? I, I, I could be the guy. <laughs> Wait a second. If we have any terrorists out there listening, ISIS, are you listening? ISIS are is gone now, by the way, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Trump defeated him like he won, won by Christmas and everything else. But they have no, I, I did read, they have no <laughs> land left. It was in the Wall Street Journal or something like that. Really? Yeah, they're literally, they had, they used to uh, have this land the size, they controlled land the A size caliphate. of England. Yes. Which I didn't realize. And now it's 100% gone. Really? I, I think so we should fact check that. <laughs> so now the next step is heart defibrillators. Oh, well, and other, there's other organizations too. So I'm a little concerned. I don't know. Um, God, I don't know what I should root for now. It well, says is there that, any way to like fix? Is there, are they working on it's this? It's reported that these, they're at these heart defibrillators, there are 750,000 people. Affected by flaws. With these devices <laughs> in them. Yeah. So that means you can have an army of 750,000 doing your bidding. If you program them all to kill the <laughs> leader of an un, 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 unnamed country. Do you think that's why my thing is going goes off all the time? 
like, because I've said I have all these false alarms. Yeah. Do you think it's been hacked? And like, this is like trying to get me. Kaplan, if it gets hacked, I'm going to come over one day and you're just going to shoot me. Because it goes off every day. Because you know they're coming for me. Every day at 11, 19 oh, I night. shoot my mouth yeah, off. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you're the alt middle. We've known that yeah. bomber. Wait, that bomber guy, by the way, the guy who tried to kill me. Yeah. Try to take down the alt middle, the pipe bomber. Oh, he was man. sentenced to like life in prison the other day. Tribeca Strong. Yeah, day. and I, he listed a whole. He got life in prison. Yeah, yeah, and he listed a whole apology in his plea. He apologized to all. He did not mention me by name. He mentioned like all these other people. And I know, don't accept Barack it. Obama. Blah blah blah. What he about did? George Soros? Did not mention me by name. Please. So the apology not accepted. Not ex- your unapology <laughs> not accepted. Just for the record, and also yeah, this goes off every day like the same time. It makes that crazy like ambulance sound, siren sure. sound. And maybe it's because they're they're doing something. They're trying That's to ISIS. Me. They're trying to get me to have to use this to move on to the other thing. I don't know what they're doing. They're getting ready. They're trying to program me to kill someone. I just haven't figured it out. Next story <laughs> of the week comes to us from Shanghaiist Kaplan, our old friends in Shanghai, China. Mm-hmm. Woman nearly dies. I was, this is a Chinese woman. Woman nearly dies after injecting fruit juice directly into her fe- veins. Now, I'm on her side because I love like that <laughs> crayon apple. Yeah, but why would you put it in your veins? You know, it's taste so it. good. <laughs> you don't have you haven't you ever just had what like that ocean spray and you're like man how could I just get this right in there no never you haven't never it's ever tasted so I'm good I'm addicted to coffee and alcohol things like that I, I can't I've never been that into fruit juice I had a whole decade of my life I would say <laughs> where I was when I was a kid where I didn't like water okay because I just wanted juice all the time I didn't realize it was just all sugar that you, was the point that, but, yeah so but what happens to you if you put it in your veins you just like go in oh a, cardiac arrest she had a heart fail she had like multiple organ failure and they gave her a defibrillator and now she's a terrorist <laughs> she's attacking everybody I'm also shocked that this hasn't already this seems like a very American thing yeah. someone who's shooting fruit juice straight into their veins five alive baby well, it seems like a thing like someone who really yellow, is like, yellow. well it's like if you've gone through rehab for every other thing and you just need the fix of being a rebel. <laughs> just sugar. It's like fruit juice. They told me to drink fruit juice. They said it's good for me. I'll show them. I Into think the she veins. thought it was good for. Her. I read about it. They, they, her family members said she's thought it was like nutritious to get like. But like she just like why didn't she just drink it? <laughs> she thought to get it more directly into your system, maybe. Oh, okay. Like she'd been in the hospital. You know, like heroin. Eat, like heroin. Why not drink heroin? It goes faster if you right. shoot it. I've never had heroin in juice form. Is that <laughs> well, an option? It's probably pretty good. <laughs> it's a way to get it to kids, but you know. You know, they say here this article also triggers me a little bit because it starts off with this woman. I yeah. was just on the subway and I saw the uh, thing. It, it's listed woman, but it was block, uh, blocks out the A with an X. This is a new way they're saying woman now. It's a more woke way because you don't put the word man in woman. Wait, what? Do you have you seen this? Blocks out the A, the man in A. So he doesn't say man because it's like a. It was like an advertisement for a feminist podcast, which you gotta network, be kidding. Which, by me. the way, I wanted to ask you if we can get on the feminist podcast network. <laughs> no, it's called like Lenny or something. Lenny? Uh, yeah, and there was an I in the subway. And it was like women's podcast for women, and it was but the A was blocked out with X's. And at first I was confused and I was like, oh, it's because man, they don't want the word man and women. Is that like that bull, that bull honky thing that our teachers used to say? History is his story. That's uh, sexist. Remember that? They, you know, that? That's a great segue. Did I tell you I got a job offer? <laughs> no. <laughs> I got a history teaching job offer. What? By who? By a random person emailed me from- Real? A I listener? They, I, I think so, yeah. They said they thought they've been listening and they think that I would be a good history teacher. <laughs> For <laughs> <always way>. <laughs> not. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. They said there's an opening. What school? And, in in Manulis, New York, which is up near Syracuse. 
They have an opening. They thought I'd be like a, a Syracuse. They're, they're looking for like a. Did they find you through the university? An off the wall. I don't know. Yeah, it probably got me to the director. Oh, they want a quirky history like, teacher. Yeah, like uh, Ted Poe Society kind of oh, thing. Oh, like, you'd uh, be great. I'd be great. It'd be great for the pod. First thing Hold you do. Here's what you three. do. On day on the syllabus, you say everyone has to buy this book. It's like one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. And then the first day of school, first yeah, through through <laughs> Amazon. And then first day of school, you're a rebel teacher. You turn your seat around backwards. You yeah. you know what, kid? Lesson number one: Everybody, rip up your books. Oh. We're not using them. That's how you show them. You mean business? I mean business. Even though you made them all, I sent them a message. Yeah. All right. Notes. That's better than teaching. I'll maybe. be your TA. Yeah. All right. Can you look up history? I just look up stuff on Wikipedia. Like I do with my kids when I pretend like I know stuff. Yeah. And they ask me questions. Well, first of all, and we call we'll, it her story. We don't call right. it his So story. I will do that. Right. Because I want to appeal. I want to trick these kids into like me. So I want to appeal really woke. Yes. So I'm going to come into the back. I'm going to come in with her story. Yeah. Her story. For, yeah. And if you say man, if you call me a man, no, you get an F. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No. <laughs> <laughs> the no, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. Because <laughs> I'm married with the children. <laughs> we'll take it. So, It'll yeah. be great. I'm in. Let's right. do it. At so least let's it. do it for summer school. For summer school. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, have my, I'll have my defibrillator in class. And you can come in and just tell stories. I'll just teach kids about life. Yeah. History. Like, the, like those substitutes who all they would really do is just tell you about their time in Nam. Yeah. Remember them? They'd come in and do like be a sub for math. <laughs> yeah, they don't know anything. They, they'd be like, we're not going to do that. We're going to learn like the real, like the ones and twos today. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, they just tell stories. I had a substitute ones who just put on videos. Like he just would put, he'd bring in the VCR and just put it on like some video and, and then just yeah. leave the room. Yeah. That's, that's how it's really done. But yeah, we had this I'll guy. Do I'll do a lot of that. This guy was uh, Mr. Kearns and he had these big long sideburns. Everyone called him Sideburns Kearns. Mm. And he would come in and he would just tell you about like that, uh, the Ted offensive, <laughs> all those kind of his, uh, I don't even know, in the coochie tunnels and all that kind that's, of stuff. That's a good, I mean, Teddy's school, it seems like the substitute is just like, if the teacher leaves, they just have like a music teacher fill in or something. And then they just, they, it's like not, it doesn't have the same excitement. No, like, you need they, a- they haven't had like a totally deer in the headlights or like a crazy kook. <laughs> yeah. They need that experience. Maybe as they get older. Those are the best. Yeah. We had two. We had Sideburns, Kearns, and Sideburns, uh, Kearns. Mr. McCrum. And he only had one thumb. So we had one thumb McCrum and Sideburns, Kearns. Oh. I remember we had once a kid, uh, it was a friend, a kid in this school's grandmother. And then she whacked me with a book. And I oh, never, I was school. like, I can't, but I think she could, thought she could do that because yeah, she went old school. She, on she you. went old school. She knew me a little I'm bit. It's like, ah, bullshit. <laughs> Last story of the week comes to us from The Verge. The yeah, Verge. Man. All right. I don't know this what that is. This is in by Weber, actually. Oh, let's take you listener mail now. A Chinese subway <laughs> is experimenting with facial recognition to pay for fares. So that means a fare would be automatically deducted from a linked payment method. So like your WeChat account or your app. But how, and your America. face is like, there's like a chip they put in you or no? Yeah. So there wouldn't be uh no, no, no. Like there wouldn't be, you wouldn't go through a turnstile anymore to get on the subway. Just, it's like easy pass when you walk, when you drive through, yeah, but it's it recognize your face. your face. Now here's why I have a problem with that. <laughs> Chinese people think that I look like every single white person. Do you think they designed the program? Yeah. they need- So anytime Mr. Bean walks through their turnstile, <laughs> bling, 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 it's charging my account. Yeah. They need a, they need to farm that out. The facial recognition to a non-Chinese company. Yeah, every every black person they thinks Wesley Snipes, uh, and every white person they thinks Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean, or one effort. of the two guys from Brokeback Mountain, because oh, that's it. their favorite movie. Uh, you want to be the top at least if you're going to be there. You want to <laughs> be the top. <laughs> but I saw that they um partner, the yeah, top, exactly. partner. top partner. Well, call back. I I saw that um they have this technology now at airports too in China where you can check in for a flight, 
And I think like that boat. That's good. Which I think like people get so stressed about getting to airports and like printing their boarding passes. And like, it's the most stressful thing for, even though it doesn't take very long. Yeah. Like a lot of people just get so anxious about it. Yeah. So I think like, this is how people give up freedom and privacy very easily. Yes. They will do that for facial recognition airport. Cause if you just could go to a flight, no, you don't do anything. You just like walk in and it checks you in. Cause it I recognizes bet, your face. That could work in America overnight. Yeah. Because well, people, you're right. People, but, will, but here they think every Chinese person's the same. So they got to reverse the technology. Problem. Yeah, they'd be, yeah, uh, Jackie Chan's uh, bank account was going, ding, 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 ding. Every two seconds, yeah. he'd be getting charged for Yea's flight account. Uh, it's, but that is the, that is, you're right. You've hit on something the poignant, which is that they, Americans and everyone around the world will give up freedom for convenience. Convenience. Yes. And so that's the key. It has to be some level of convenience. Dope. I'm just basically saying you're right. I have yeah. no extra yeah. point. You know, it'll be sharing that information with the Russians by the time your plane lands. Yes. <laughs> but you can go wherever you want. You and how's go- it going to affect the fake ID? It kids, if this if they trickles took down, TSA? if this trickles down, we don't need driver's license anymore and everything's facial recognition. Here's- the fake ID culture's dead. I, I mean, mean- they already, we already basically have it, which is that if you go register with the U.S. government, you can skip TSA. You can get the pre-check. Right, I have that. You're voluntarily oh. giving them all this information about you. Yeah, I got it. Right? Me, yeah. So now, if they do that with facial recognition, if you come in and you just let us scan your face, <laughs> you never face. have to wait and pre-check. You never have to wait for TSA again. Right, but then everyone gonna, would do that. Right, and, but then it's a catch-22. Then there's a huge line again because everyone's got the thing. But it's faster. You walk straight through. Oh, all right. All so, right. so you could walk straight to with your defibrillator. Yes. And blow the whole goddamn plane. <laughs> the whole thing up. Shout and, out. Uh, inject some fruit juice in your veins as the plane goes down <laughs> from the cart. <laughs> That's the pod. Thank you to Andy Curtin for doing it. You guys, Jared Freed is doing our live podcast April 10th. Stand up in New York. Tickets are either $5 or $10. We're not sure. Or Promo code lost. Long. Go to standupny.com. Get your tickets right now. April 10th, 8 p.m. Cap, what should we do? Get lost. Get lost. <laughs>